0: welcome ratchet book club where we read hood classics and good classics i'm not about to start messing up by saying where we read again that's that's played welcome ratchet book club where we read hood classics and good classics that's much better and i'm Derek. this is a gift for you i'm not doing anything different i'm just literally a gift for you you're welcome 916 633 1537 Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com is the email address. Ratchet Book Club is where you can find me on Twitter. Talk to me, I'll talk back. Trust me, I'm really good at it. You can become a patron member at patreon.com backslash single simulcast. You can also donate money to get me books at buymeacoffee.com backslash sscast. In the last chapter, Mia Moore fucked up the uh, bag. By telling folks that she was going to get greedy all of a sudden, like she was the one who put in work like they could all have their hand on the dick like it was a fucking goblet of fire from Harry Potter and shit. If she had just shared the money after she chopped the dick off, everybody would be just fine. But no, she was like, I'm the one chopping the dick off, so I'm the one getting all the money. And that's when all hell broke loose, because the dirty dick dude that they chopped the dick off of ran away. And also, I don't mean dirty dick dude in a way that they were implying it, which was completely homophobic. I just mean dirty dick dude as in the nigga looked like he didn't wash his balls. That's what they said Robin was concerned about. Initially. Initially. So, with no further ado, they ain't getting paid and shit's about to go down. We are now at chapter 11 of the cartel. Chapter 11. Ooh, Carter, we gotta stop, but this dick's so good. Mia Moore. Mia Moore couldn't get Carter out of her head. Even while she was on a job, he was constantly entering her thoughts and she hated herself for feeling him so much. It had been two weeks since their steamy encounter on the beach and she was open. Why hasn't he called me? She thought to herself. I knew I shouldn't have fucked him so quick. He probably thinking I'm one of those sack chasing busto bitches. What the fuck is a busto bitch? B-U-S-T-O. A busto bitch. What is a busto bitch? You know what? I remember back in high school... There was a girl who kept talking shit about another girl, and she became a busto bitch because they busted the shit out of her forehead like they took a 40 bottle and just click, click. Click, click. I thought it would break like it did in the movies, but it didn't. It just boink, bink. And then she just had this knot. It was horrible. It was two twin sisters beating one girl's ass, which was completely unfair because it was also two juniors in high school beating the sophomore's ass. Uh But I don't know what a real busto bitch is. I'm going to give that some thought. Mia Moore shook the thought of Carter out of her mind as she reluctantly crawled out of her $3,000 cherry wood canopy bed and stretched her arms high above her head. She tiptoed as her body extended in relaxation towards the sky, causing her to shriek in delight. She looked at herself in the mirror and wiped the sleep out of her eyes. She pulled her hair up in a raggedy ponytail and noticed the slight bags that were beginning to form under her eyes. I've got to get some rest, she thought. I look like shit. Her eyes drifted down to the picture of her and her friends that sat on the dresser. She picked it up, and a smile slowly spread across her face as she looked at herself, Aries, Robin, and most importantly, Anissa. It had been taken over a year ago at a 4th of July party. She reminisced how they used to step into the club. They were forever fly, and they were always led through the crowd by Anissa. Mad niggas lusted after their crew, and they got a lot of attention wherever they went. They were always the bells of the ball and the center of attention. Anissa had been the ringleader of their clique. The one to teach Mia Moore all of her murdering and hustling ways. Her big sister was truly her best friend, and now that she was gone... Mia Moore felt a strange hole in her heart. A solitary tear leaked out of her eye, and she quickly brushed it off her face. She set the picture back on the dresser, turning it face down as she walked out of her bedroom. Every time she looked at something that reminded her of Anissa, she broke down. No matter how much Mia Moore's girls tried to convince her otherwise, she continued to blame herself for her sister's death. She stopped in her hallway and looked down at her sister's bedroom door. It was closed. She hadn't stepped foot inside it since Anissa had been killed. She just couldn't bring herself to look at her sister's things. She quickly turned and made her way into her kitchen. She opened her cabinets and pulled out some pancake batter. Tears came to her eyes as she slammed the box of batter on the counter. She leaned on to the countertop and wept as she thought of her sister. Every Friday morning, she and Anissa would cook pancakes together. It was a silly tradition that they had shared since their preteen years, but it was something that she cherished. Mia Moore knew that she would never share another intimate moment with her sister, and it hurt her to the depths of her soul. She's never going to dance again. Guilty feet have gotten no rhythm. Ugh! She screamed in frustration. She hated feeling so weak. Now, which week are we talking about? Are we talking about the week about her sister literally dying? And with her being gone, her entire family being gone, and her coping with the loss of her best friend and sister? Or are we talking about her suddenly being weak on this nigga that she's only known for two weeks? Because all you're really doing is building it up to a climax where she's going to be pissed when she finds out that he's a part of the family that killed her sister. I mean, I mean... She had never been the emotional type, but her sister's death brought out years of harbored emotions. Oh, that's the weakness. Okay, cool. Mia Moore looked around her condominium and everything about it reminded her of Anissa. That's because she lived in the goddamn house. If my wife leaves my house, everything I look at's going to remind me of my wife because she fucking furnished the house. Move, bitch. Get out the house. Get out the house. If you got money like that and you can't stand it and you got to keep her door closed, but then you're still making pancakes and all that kind of stuff, it's time for you to move on, sweetheart. Just get get the fuck out. Toddle your way out. Bust out through the door and just go, go to a hotel for a while and then get a new spot. Start over fresh. That's my suggestion. Anissa picked out the furniture. The scent of the candles, even the food in the refrigerator. God damn, what'd you do? What was your job? Did you cook? Did, I mean, did you clean the toilets? Like, what the fuck did you do? All of which served as a constant reminder of her failure to protect the ones around her. See, let that be a lesson to y'all. Do your own shit. Because when the person who did all the shit dies or leaves, you're going to be reminded of them every day. And if the shit they did was important, you ain't going to know how to do it. Then who's going to wipe your ass? (laughs) Oh, gosh. She poured the pancake mix out of the box and turned on the faucet to rent it down the sink. What? What? Oh, she poured the pancake mix into the sink and turned on the faucet. Ooh, that's bad. That's bad. Pouring pancake batter down the sink with water. Niggas, you crazy. She about to clog her shit. The whole box of pancake batter just went down the sink with water. Oh, she about to clump her shit up. So one day I was cleaning the kitchen because I do that. And I was feeling lazy because I do that too. And so I had scraped some of the rice. When you cook rice, one of the funniest things to do is to use your hands to clean the rice out before you actually use soap and water and a towel to clean the rest of the stuff out. And so I was scooping the rice out. And like one grain of rice was teetering on the edge of the garbage disposal like it was about to fall into the abyss. And my wife was like, No! And she ran over and she grabbed that one fucking grain of rice. And she was like, rice will clog up the sink. And I was like, oh, I knew that. It was just one piece. I didn't think that it was. Rice will clog up the sink. And so now I'm just like, one piece of rice will fuck up your whole life. But if one piece of rice will fuck up your whole life, a box of Bisquick will bust that sink up. That's all I'm saying. I can't stay here. This shit's going to drive me crazy. Just wait. When that plumber bill comes out, it's going to drive you even more bonkers. She opened up her kitchen drawers and searched until she found the card of a realtor. Ooh, I called that shit. That had sold her the condo. It was time for her to sell her place. I have to find a new spot. I can't even breathe in here. Breathe again. Breathe again. Then I will never breathe again If I never did the dishes once in a while If I never bought the curtains and made you smile If I never cleaned the toilet after I shit If you put together the house I had nothing to do with it how can I live Now that you're gone I don't know how to do the coffee pot So I guess I'll just move out Breathe again, breathe again That's not the lyrics I never listened to Tony Braxton The only Tony Braxton song I listened to Was when she was butt naked in the video With the dude flexing in front of her you're driving me wild. Um, uh, I almost said oops, I did it again. Um, What's the one with her and the, the girls and they're all watching the dude come in and strip and shit like that? In hindsight, that was probably her sisters in the video with her. I can't remember the name of the song. It's not going to drive me nuts. It's going to drive you nuts because you're going to keep screaming it and I can't hear you motherfuckers. She grabbed her cell phone and quickly punched in the numbers. Harper spokes, please. Carter looked at all the possessions he had brought back to Miami from Flint. God damn it, these two are going to move in together. Son of a bitch, okay. Harper looked at all the possessions he had brought back to Miami from Flint. There was no way he could continue to live out of a hotel. He had made the move south. Now he needed to find his own spot. He picked up his cell and called Monroe. Money, this Carter, he stated when his younger brother answered the phone. What's good, bro? Hey, I just brought all my stuff down here from up top. Now I need a place to put it, he replied, laughter in his voice. Do you have time to show me a few properties today? My schedule's pretty full today, fam, but I can get one of the board associates to take you around. Are you looking to rent or to buy? Carter replied, Come on, fam. Do I look like one of these rent-a-center ass niggas? You know I ain't living up in no shit I don't own. Yeah, I hear you. Well, come on down to the office when you're ready. Alright, I'll be down there in about an hour. Carter dressed simply in an all-white, short-sleeved, Sean John button-up with a crisp white t-shirt underneath. Remember that? When you wear the shirt with the shirt underneath... And then you sag your pants so then you have basketball shorts on underneath so everybody can see the basketball shorts and then the, the shirt and then the shirt. No? I I was the only one who did that? Cool. Just shocking. His light jeans. I couldn't have been on the only one because they just fucking wrote about it. Don't be lying. His light jeans and Prada sneakers completing his hookup. Then he put on a 10-carat necklace that had three tight rows of colorless diamonds. After hanging his iPhone from his hip, that's one thing I remembered. I used to hate from 2008, was niggas having their phone on their belt loop. Nerdy ass bitches. I mean, that just looked geeky. Like, y'all niggas thought y'all was stunting because you could hang your phone off your belt loop and shit. I just wanted to walk over and just smack that shit for of their Fumble, bitch! And then just die for it. Also, this is when I was much younger and much more immature. I'm kidding about the much more immature part. God's still working with me. After hanging his iPhone from his hip like a fucking loser and tucking his forty-five into his waistline like a fucking champ, he was ready to go. Carter hopped in his range, tucked his gun away in a hidden compartment behind his custom stereo, and then headed towards Diamond Realty. When he walked into the office, he brought an instant smile to the face of the attractive receptionist sitting behind the desk. Hi, is there something I can do for you? Her eyes roamed suggestively over Carter's muscular build. Her come on was obvious, and he gave her a polite smirk in response. I'm here to see my brother, Monroe Diamond. The receptionist licked her lips and stated, You can go right back to his office. Carter nodded and then headed down the hall. Before he was out of sight, the receptionist called out, And if you need... Anything. Don't hesitate to ask. Carter smiled but didn't reply. He simply continued on his way until he came to an office, the red diamond on the door. He knocked lightly on the door. Come in, Monroe called out. Carter entered the office and slapped hands with Monroe. They pulled each other close for a brief second before sitting down. Carter, this is Harper spokes. Harper... This is my older brother, Carter. So not only did Mia Moore's sister get killed by one of the the people from the Diamond Cartel, but then she and her sister, who got killed by one of the people from the Diamond Cartel, bought their condo from Harper Spokes, who's one of the associates who works for Diamond Realty, which means the house that they had, they bought from the Diamond Cartel. Mm. That's some drama for your ass. Carter, this is Harper Spokes. Harper, this is my older brother, Carter. Carter shook hands with the young man beside him and said, You resemble your father. So I've heard, Carter answered. He was a good friend of mine. I'm sorry for your loss, Harper said. Thank you. Money cleared his throat. Harper tells me that we have a couple properties for you to view today. Harper pulled out a portfolio with available properties inside, and Carter chose three that he was interested in purchasing. How quickly are you looking to move in, Harper asked. As soon as possible. You are aware that Diamond Realty only deals in high-end properties. Do you need financing? How do you plan on paying for the property, Harper asked, causing money to look up from the stack of papers on his desk. Money? Money? A bit offended at Harper's question, replied bluntly before Carter could answer. In cash. Carter, offended as well, said, What other way is there? Just like your father, you work in cash. That's how I like it, Harper stated. I bet you do, said Carter in a sarcastic tone. Although Mia Moore never kept a dirty house, she cleaned it from top to bottom to ensure that it was presentable for her prospective buyer. The only room that she hadn't touched was Anissa's. She loved her realtor. As soon as she called him and told him she wanted to sell her place, he was on top of things. Within a few hours, he had called her back and told her he had found a potential purchaser. The day slowly crept by as she waited for her realtor to arrive. It was 5 o'clock in the afternoon when she finally heard the knock on her door. Mia Moore opened her door and her jaw hit the floor when she saw Carter standing beside the Realtor. Mia Moore opened the door and her jaw hit the floor when she saw Carter with the real tour. Uh, Mia Moore hit the floor and her jaw hit the door when she saw Carter with the Realtor. Ah, ah. Miss Matthews? This is Carter Jones, Harper stated. Carter Jones, Mia Moore Matthews. Carter was just surprised to see Mia Moore standing before him. She didn't seem too happy to see him, but, for business purposes, held out her hand for him to shake it. Mr Jones, she said. Carter smirked at her act, but played along, giving off the perception that they had just met. Well, if you don't mind, we'll just take a look around, Harper stated. Mia shook her head in protest. Oh no, Harper, please allow me to show him around. You can make yourself comfortable here in the living room, she stated. Mia walked down the hallway, and Carter followed her into her bedroom. He closed the door behind him. Turning to face her, he noticed that she was standing with her arms folded across her chest. Come here, he stated in a low voice. Not one to hold her tongue, she asked. Why didn't you call me? I was out of town. You knew that. Carter stepped closer to me and more and pulled her near him. She rolled her eyes, but allowed herself to step into his personal space. You still could have called. You had me out here feeling all fucked up about sleeping with you. Don't lie to me, Carter. You can tell me if you ain't checking for me like that. Carter ran his finger across her breast until he felt her nipples swell under her silk dress. Mia Moore's breath became shallow as she reached up and pulled his head near hers. His tongue probed the inside of her mouth. It was thick, and his kiss was sensual. She immediately became wet as she thought of another place she would like him to lick with his juicy tongue. There's something about this man that I can't resist, she thought as she reached down and grabbed his throbbing manhood. She was so hot and bothered that she considered taking his tool out and fucking him on the spot. But she had a white man sitting in her living room. Wait, she whispered as she continued to kiss him. We can't do this right now. Mia Mora spoke in the words, but she made no effort to stop Carter from slipping his fingers up her white house designer skirt. She wore no panties, so his fingers were instantly drenched in her feminine juices. You didn't even call me, she moaned. I'm sorry, Ma. It's all about you. God damn it, he answered as she reached for his belt buckle. Don't lie to me, she whispered in lust. I don't lie, Mia Moore. He lifted her shirt and bent down to kiss her stomach gently. The two were in pure lust for one another as they attacked each other. What do I got to do to get some of this, Ma? He asked charmingly. I just, did I already mention the fact that I hate the phrase ma? Like, I use it, but I use it, like, sparingly. Like, like, bay leaves. You don't use the phrase ma when you about to get some? Like, what do I gotta do to get all up in your ass, ma? Hey, ma, what I gotta do to get that pussy lip twat, ma? You know what it is? I want to see when Cameron's Hey Ma came out. Hey Ma came out in 2002, so this should be at the end of its apex, but nope. Hey Ma, I had every intention of getting to you, Ma. He wanted to call her and had every intention of doing so, but his mind had been preoccupied with business. Do what you feel, she stated frankly, staring at him in a challenging way, massaging his hardness through his Calvin Klein boxers. Grunting lustfully. Carter picked her up by her waist as she wrapped her long legs around his body, grinding her hips into him with a fuck-me passion. The friction alone had her ready to climax. The heat between the two of them burned recklessly as Carter carried her to the oversized cherry-wood dresser to set against the wall, sweeping everything off it in one motion, causing a loud crash to erupt throughout the condominium. Shhh! She whispered as she sucked on his neck. Harper's gonna hear us. You fucking think? You just swept all of her shit off her fucking dresser. Like, yeah, the dick will be great. Sure. Okay. Fine. But, bitch, that was my mirror. Carter ignored her and set her on the dresser. He opened her legs while she unbuttoned his pants and slid them down. He entered her without hesitation, moving with a slow rhythm Holding both of her thighs open as wide as they would go. He looked down at his dick as it moved in and out of her. The sight of her massaging her swollen clitoris made his manhood swell even more, and he pounded into her relentlessly. Is everything all right in there? Mia Moore's eyes grew wide in alarm at the sound of Harper's voice. Carter was fucking her so good that she couldn't stop the moans from slipping off her tongue. She looked at Carter he heard us she whispered carter continued to fuck her as he whispered you better stop all that moaning ma i shouldn't say ma like that it completely ruins the mood of the fucking that they're doing with the white guy right outside the door my son used to play the role of the white guy he would knock on the door and say shit that would just ruin the mood like i want to sleep with y'all of course he was three why Harper's knocking on the door when he she told him to mind his own business and sit on the goddamn couch is beyond me. Also, I nicknamed my son CB4. He was four. He wasn't three because I called him CB4. CB4 stood for, guess, wait for it, wait for it. Cock blocker four because he was a cock blocker and he was four. It doesn't always have to be rocket science. In and out, in and out. Oh, I'm sorry. That's not how this is supposed to go. In and out, in and out. Mia Moore groaned in pleasure. Uh-uh, I can't, as she thrusts her hips at him in a slow grind. Until now, she'd never had a nigger who had a big dick and knew exactly how to use it. She was losing her mind. who Carter, we gots to stop, but this dick is so good. She moaned as she made the lower half of her body roll in circles. Excuse me, guys. Is everything okay? Carter asked again. Me and Moore began to reply. Everything is... Ooh, shit! But Carter hit her with a death stroke. Hitting her... chest. <laughs> okay, so these are all words that have been said, but I never thought I'd read them in a book, and so I'm kind of happy right now. But Carter hit her with the death stroke, hitting her G-spot and silencing her. Now, let's talk about the Grafenberg area. Because it's not hard to hit, but since we're here, let's talk about it. Fellas, I hope you have a pencil. So, if you take your fingers and you stick them into your lover your partner ladies too you know y'all know it though y'all y'all got one but if you take your fingers and insert them into your partner's vagina and then you bend them back like you uh, like you're doing a a come here motion you will hit this spongy area and that's called the Grafenberg spot the g spot i don't know how he's hitting that with his dick I sounded really bad right there. I'm ashamed of myself. I know how he's hitting you with his dick. I just said that so y'all wouldn't feel left out. I know. God pursued me for greatness in all areas. I am where the blessings flow, I am abundant. But y'all, yeah, just use your fingers. Or get a womanizer. Womanizers are dope. Get a womanizer anyway. Use it in 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 association with your lovemaking. Take it to the next level. I should get a fucking sponsorship. Take your love into the next level. Womanizer. If your man ain't hitting it right, use a womanizer all goddamn night. Womanizer. The womanizer. Womanizer, womanizer, womanizer Okay, I'm done In and out, in and out, round and round If y'all aren't from California You're not saying that the way I'm saying it In and out, in and out That's what love making's all about Yeah Oh shit, oh shit She screamed as the mirror to her dresser Began to hit the wall that was leaning against Carter, oh my god, baby, yes White man, go sit down Harper, we're fine. Everything is... Yes, Carter, right there. Carter, don't stop, she moaned. How the fuck doesn't Carter know what's going on or Harper know what's going on at this juncture? How is he that obtuse? Carter was making her body explode in ways she had never experienced and her legs began to shake uncontrollably. I'm coming, she announced. Oh my, oh, she screamed one last time before her body went limp in Carter's arms. Seconds later, Carter climaxed as well and kissed her sweaty forehead before releasing her. Get rid of Harper, she said as she pushed him gently off her. And when you do come back to me, I'll be waiting in my bed. Mia Moore removed the rest of her clothing and then got underneath her luxury comforter as Carter pulled up his pants and backpedaled out of the room, eyeing every curve on her body. Harper stood checking his watch as Carter walked into the living room, adjusting his jeans. When Harper looked up and saw Carter walking towards him with his shirt off, his mouth hit the floor in surprise. Um, I, I... Harper didn't know what to say as he adjusted his glasses nervously. He had certainly heard what had taken place in the bedroom. The small hard-on that showed through his business slacks and the red embarrassing flush of his face indicated that he had heard everything. I'll take the first place we viewed. You'll have your money tomorrow. Carter opened the front door for Harper. Astonished, Harper headed for the door. Okay, I. I. Does he get a discount? If your parents literally own the realty company, do you get a discount? Did Breeze get a discount at the restaurant? Before he could say another word, Carter closed the door in his face. He made his way back to Mia Moore and picked up where they had left off, pleasing her in every sexual way over and over again until she was so tired that she could no longer come. Mia Moore lay cuddled up to Carter. She was so comfortable in his embrace. I could get used to this, she thought. Why are you selling your spot? he asked her out of the blue. I can't stay here. I shared this place with my sister. And ever since she died, it just doesn't feel like home. Everything in here reminds me of her. I miss her. There's nothing wrong with missing her, and Selling your crib won't erase that feeling. I don't want to talk about that, she whispered. I just want to enjoy my time with you. Ain't no telling how long you'll be around. So I have to appreciate you while you're here, she said half jokingly. I'm here as long as you want me to be. Carter pulled her on top of his body. She lay directly on top of him and rested her head against his chest as he stroked the top of her head. Carter looked down at the beautiful young woman and felt connected to her. Carter didn't know it yet, but she loved everything about him. She loved the way he was rubbing her head. She loved the way he dressed, the confident swagger that he possessed, and the dimple on the side of his face was an added plus. She definitely loved how he had put his thing down on her. Both times they had slept together, she had been completely satisfied. She was checking for him in the worst way. They lay there together for hours, and eventually Carter slipped into a comfortable sleep. Mia Moore heard his deep breathing and eased her body off him. She made sure that he was undisturbed as she tiptoed away from the bed. It had been so long since she had seen a man in her bed and she couldn't believe that she had allowed Carter to seduce her once again. She didn't regret it, though. Everything in her wanted to get to know the man that lay in her bed, and she was grateful for his presence. She picked up his button-up shirt and put it on. The shirt swallowed her, but she wore it anyway. She went into the kitchen and opened her refrigerator to see what she had to cook. There wasn't much of anything. She and Anissa ate out most of the time. So besides breakfast food and bottled water, there wasn't much inside. She grabbed the phone book and ordered a gourmet dinner from a five-star restaurant that was close to her home. She went out to pick up the food, and when she came back, she set up her dining room and arranged a table. She also brought out a bottle of vintage Merlot from her wine rack and lit two apricot scented candles, setting the mood for the perfect evening. Mia Moore didn't want to wake Carter before she showered. So she handled her business and then got dressed in a seductive Victoria's Secret camisole and panty set. The gold fabric looked good on her brown skin. She then put soft curls in her hair and went into the bedroom and climbed on top of Carter. Wake up, she called out. Carter opened his eyes when he felt her nudge him. He pulled her down onto him playfully. He enjoyed the way she felt in his arms. I have a surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Show me what you got. Mia Moore grabbed his hand and pulled him up. She dragged him into the dining room where a full-course dinner consisting of New York stripped steak, steamed vegetables, garlic potatoes, and Caesar salad awaited him. You made all this? Yeah, I can do a little something in the kitchen, she replied, telling a little white lie. She wanted to hook this man and allowing him to think that she could cook was a part of her plan. I'll buy this nigga breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the rest of his life if I have to. Carter looked at her with a quit bullshit expression on his face, but was flattered by her attempt to impress him. He took a seat at the table, and they enjoyed the food and drank an entire bottle of champagne together. They laughed and chatted like old friends, getting to know each other better both of them hiding secrets that they couldn't tell if they wanted to. After they ate, Carter removed her plate from in front of her and took it into the kitchen along with his own. Yo, Mia, where yo garbage? he yelled. It's in the kitchen closet, she yelled back. As soon as the words left her mouth, she hopped up out of her seat. Wait! As soon as she walked into her kitchen, she saw Carter standing with the food delivery bags in his hands and a smile on his face. Homemade, huh? I never said homemade. Those were not my exact words, she defended playfully, knowing she had just been busted. Carter put the bags down and wrapped his arms around her waist. That's okay. You don't have to know how to cook, Ma. We'll hire a chef. Mia Moore laughed sweetly as she hid her face in his chest from embarrassment. He lifted her face and kissed her lips gently. I had a good time with you. I haven't been this comfortable with a woman in a long time. Good. She tiptoed and kissed his lips again. She could feel the night coming to an end and wished she could turn back the hands of time and relive the last few hours again. I've got to go, he stated. He noticed her eyes go from happy to sad in a split second. Mia Moore nodded. Don't make me wait another two weeks before you show your face again. She looked him in the eyes seriously. Don't worry, Ma. I won't, he replied as he walked into the room and gathered his clothes. Mia Moore walked into the door, and although she hated to see him go, she didn't protest. She didn't want to seem desperate, and she definitely didn't want to scare him off by being too clingy. She stood hugging her door as he walked out. Carter kissed her forehead and said, Close this door and lock it behind me. I will, Miamor waved one last time. She closed the door and locked it, just as he had instructed. Then she leaned up against it, sighing deeply. Carter. Carter Jones. He had a hood swagger, a gentleman's finesse, and a businessman's savvy. He had her attention, and she couldn't wait to see him again. The next morning, Miamor awoke to the sound of someone knocking at her door. No one besides her friends and now Carter knew where she lay her head, so she figured it had to be one of those people. She looked at the clock on her bedroom wall. Damn it, it's only nine in the morning. Damn, nine in the morning, feds at my door. She about to go to jail for not killing that nigga. Who the fuck is banging at my shit like they fucking crazy? She pulled herself out of her bed and went to answer it. Looking out of the peephole, she saw three people standing at her door. The fuck is going on? She snatched the door open in irritation. Can I help you? She asked. Mia Moore noticed the woman before her held a white chef's hat in her hand, and she frowned in confusion. A Mr. Carter Jones has requested our services. He has contracted us to be at your service whenever you call, the woman explained. Mia Moore couldn't help but smile. So you're my personal chef? Yes. We'll make you whatever you want at any time of the day. All you have to do is call, the woman stated with a friendly smile. Mia Moore shook her head in disbelief and then stepped to the side as she let the woman and her two-man team into her place. This nigga's too much, she thought. I'm Rachel, by the way, the woman said as she extended her hand. Mia Moore, she responded as she shook the friendly woman's hand. As soon as she opened her mouth to speak, her cell phone rang. She rummaged through her army's bag until she located it. Hello? I just wanted to see if I could stop by for breakfast. The sound of Carter's baritone brought a smile to her face. I don't know. I'm not that great of a cook. I thought I took care of that problem. Well, I'm not really dressed. I don't like to have company or when I'm looking a mess, she replied playing hard to get. Mia Moore heard her doorbell ring again and rolled her eyes to the ceiling because of the interruption. You see, considering how you got up out the bed last night to shower and do your hair before you woke me up, I figured you were high maintenance. Mia Moore smiled and replied, just a little bit, as she made her way to the door. She was so into her conversation that she opened the door without looking out of the peephole. Carter stood before her, leaning against her door frame, his cell phone in one hand, and a black designer garment bag in the other. Now, you don't have an excuse. He handed her the bag and hung up his cell phone. Go get dressed. I'll be waiting for you when you get out. Mia Moore was ecstatic. How does he know her size? Like, skinny is not a size. Nice body is not his size. Wide hips, wide butt, whatever they keep saying in this book, is not a size. Voluptuous is not a size. How does he know her size? It's important. Trust me. As somebody who buys clothing for my wife, it's a gamble to just go out and buy shit without knowing what the fuck you're doing. Just saying. Mia Moore was ecstatic. She had never been courted in such an upscale manner. Half the time she didn't even have time to seriously entertain a man, but she was going to make time for Carter. She took the bag from his hand with a bashful smile and unzipped it, revealing a Mark Jacobs original. She had heard that the popular designer was coming out with a new high-end line of clothing, but it wasn't due out until early 2010. Here Carter was standing in front of her with a dress that hadn't even hit stores yet. How in the hell did he get his hands on this dress? Bitch is about to hate. Make yourself comfortable. I'll be out in about an hour, she said, blushing graciously. Mia Moore hopped into the shower and applied her matte cosmetics before attempting to put on the dress. She wore her hair in a bone-straight wrap with Chinese bangs cut in a slant across her forehead. Spraying Donna Karen's latest fragrance all over her body, she found herself hoping that Carter would like the scent. It was odd for her to care about what a nigga thought of her, but she had to admit that she wanted Carter to feel her as much as she was feeling him. Mia Moore admired her strapless, pale yellow dress that fit her body loosely and ended just below her knee. The silk fabric wrapped around her slim waist and lay seductively around the curves of her body, giving the ensemble an edgy look, while the simplicity of the rest of the dress had an old Hollywood glamour. It was sophisticated and much different than her normal style, but she liked the change. And she had the perfect Manolo stilettos to go with it. Looking at herself in the full-length mirror, she had to smile. She was a shit and she knew it. She emerged from the bathroom an hour later and walked back into the living room, where Carter sat patiently waiting for her. He looked up at her, and a look on his face told her all that she needed to know. He was pleased with her appearance. She had accomplished her goal. Thank you for the dress, she said. I love it. Thank you for wearing it. I love it too. Carter grabbed her hand and then led her over to the dining room. Where Rachel, her chef, presented them with breakfast. You are too much, you know that, right? I've never met a nigger like you. Mia Moore laughed. Carter was on point in every way. There ain't another nigger like me, Carter replied with a smirk. Normally, conceit appalled Mia Moore There was nothing worse than a stunt-ass nigger who couldn't back up all the shit that he talked. But Carter's confidence was attractive, and he had already proved that he didn't make empty promises. She knew that he was an entirely new breed. His game was different than the down-south men she had encountered, and she appreciated his refreshing Flint swagger. You got a passport? he asked out of the blue. Yeah, I got one. Why? I want you to come away with me this week in the Costa Rica. Carter said it in a nonchalant manner, as if he was merely asking her to go out on a casual date. I can do that, she replied with a breathtaking smile. Carter knew that she was trying to keep her cool, because the infectious smile she displayed gave away her excitement. Is that supposed to be because, or is it supposed to be but? It reads better as but. Carter knew that she was trying to keep her cool, but the infectious smile she displayed gave away her excitement. Which one do y'all like better? already know the answer. I'm not even going to make a poll for it. They ate their breakfast together, chatting like old friends, and then spent the entire day together. They shopped arm in arm as they hit the designer stores, and although she was prepared to pay for her own items, Carter covered every expense. She couldn't believe how perfect he seemed to be. He was the one thing that her life had been missing. For so long, everything had been negative in her life. She was all about her business. Murder, murder, murder. Kill, kill, kill. And had forgotten how good it felt to just live. She had cut off her emotions, because allowing herself to feel anything was a sure way to get herself killed. Carter, however, was becoming the exception to her rule, and she only hoped and prayed that he was worth the risk. Just wait till he takes you home to meet the family. Just you wait, just you wait. Also, they haven't said how Carter's feeling about her yet. Like he my, and all that kind of shit, but this is two thousand and eight. Chances are when it all falls apart he's gonna be like, I dropped you like a bad habit, stank ass bitch, and all that kind of stuff. Two thousand and eight. I'm just thinking back to the way the books used to be written. Still are. 916 633 Retchin' Ratchet, Ratchet Gmail dot com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Um, You can leave a review on Podchaser Apple Podcasts, Stitcher um, There's other places If you go to Podchaser You can leave a review for each separate episode As well as the show overall Which would be dope Because I deserve reviews I'm that good Thank you so much for listening I do greatly appreciate it Y'all be good I'm going to holler at you later Peace